Well, hello there. It's another day. I'm Jim Harrington. And I'm Bill Knight. What day is it? Because I get confused. Another day, that it's day, Friday, yesterday, tomorrow. What's interesting is this is our last show this year. The next time oh, we wow. talk to our audience, it'll be next year, my friend. Um, next year. Any, any plans for the holidays? Uh, yeah. Well, I'm just going to New Hampshire. That's about it for the holiday and it's really going to be kind of low key. Oh, you have big plans. Let me let me let me explain something to you. I'm not going to tell you my age, but you know, and I can get up and do things and party with the rest, best of them. But I don't want to do that. I won't tell you his age either. But if you go out in your front yard and you look down and you see the dirt, he's older than that. Yeah, I am. Okay, you know what? And I'm older than that. We're going to go there. Oh my God. Oh, anyway. Uh, some interesting things going on in our, our world. You know, there's a lot of migrants crossing over in the El Paso area. So what Governor Abbott did down in Texas is he put the National Guard out there and they they strung some concertina wire, mm-hmm. otherwise known as barbed wire, yeah, cons- yeah. all across that, that section of the border. And to the surprise of everybody who's paying attention, uh, the border crossings dropped off dramatically. Well, what do you know? Let's see. They put up kind of like a fence. And also, by the way, there was National Guard presence at the border. Mm -hmm. So the people coming across saw soldiers and barbed wire. And they figured, well, maybe this isn't a good place to cross anymore. So they stopped crossing in in this part, which says to me that fences work, folks. Just finish the darn fence. Maybe we'll be okay. Yeah, well, yeah, well, we we're putting up a wall with fencing at the top, but either way, you could keep them out. But, you know, I do understand, you know, Trump was doing a great thing with that and coming along pretty well. But there were people, from what I understand, that were bad players and putting up that wall mm-hmm. that were leaving little places of, you know, where they could get through and get in. Oh, and really? That, yeah, I'd read that somewhere. And the, my thing is, why... You know, somebody had to see that somewhere along the line. Obviously, you mean like a story. contractor who was helping, who was putting up the wall? They were somehow they had some little openings that these guys or the cartel knew about it, so they could get through. You wonder if they were getting paid by the cartels. You damn well right. See, you've got play. You know, we're a country of greed. And a lot of people have no morals, no principles, no value. They don't care about you. Mm-hmm. They'd sell their own kid. I would to have make thought. A buck. I would have thought the uh, Army Corps of Engineers would have inspected the entire wall after every section was completed to make sure everything was in within specs. I would have thought. Well, yeah, yeah, you would think. But then again, too, you know, the, with the way our government is. You know, yeah, you got to run this through. It's not my department. We got to run it through this department, but you can't go any further until that department signs off. We have so much bureaucracy, bureaucracy that um, I can't talk all of a sudden. (laughs) But anyway, you know, we have so many bureaucrats that have so many different rules and things you got to go by. And what you present is going to be so twisted and mangled by the time it gets done because. You know, they either got to put their hand in it, put their their signature on it, or they got to sit there and go, yeah, I don't like this, but yeah, yeah. if I do this and this. You know, the uh, 
there's a general, a major general named Win Burkett, who is, uh, he's the head of the, or one of the heads of the Texas National Guard. And yeah. uh, besides putting up the barbed wire and, and placing the guards, I don't know that you've seen it on the news, but they built this large, this humongous tent. It's the size of, of a football field. And That's big. And, it's, and they call it a tent, but, you know, have you seen some of these tents? They're they're like they're like solid facilities. They call them tents because I guess you erect it like a tent, but once it's up, it's not just your canvas floppy thing. It is mm-hmm. a rigid building, and it's it's the size of a football field, and it's for the surge that they expect to get when Title 42 is removed, which, by the way, as you know, was... Uh, uh, Extended now. Yeah, but you know what's interesting? I found out that Gorsuch, who was an appointee and usually reliable Trump supporter, Gorsuch was against the delay of Title 42. He said, Which? well, he, Gorsuch said that he was he was willing, I guess, to pull it. And, and that he, he knows there would have been consequences at the border. He said, but it, this is no longer a COVID crisis at the border. I mean, he was being very specific. And he said also the Supreme Court isn't a political arm. If you're waiting for decisions to be made at the Supreme Court politically, you're making a mistake. We're the judicial branch, he said with great pride. You know, it's funny. The longer they get into that position uh, in the Supreme Court, the more they, they start to believe their own press clippings, the, the mm-hmm. judges down there. But uh, I was surprised. I thought Gorsuch was, uh, was reliable and somebody who thought like a conservative. And, uh, you know, when they start to become uh, in line with people like uh, some of the other liberal judges down there, you know, right. it makes you think twice. But anyway, uh, Burkett uh, was really proud of what his men at the, at the border were doing, and he sa- had this to say. And so I tell you, I am, I'm so impressed. Uh, Task Force West got this mission yeah. basically on Saturday. And OLS, the staff, was able to move 400 people to El Paso, over 40 vehicles. And what you can see is... I mean, they did it in 72 hours, and their ability to work together is so incredibly impressive. This morning, the SP time was 4 4 a.m., and they absolutely crushed it. Um, Really impressed with what they're doing. They're focused on deterrence. They're focused on sending a message uh, that unlawful crossings is not an option. You've got to go to the POE, and the way they've rolled out this morning and what they're doing is just incredibly impressive. This is this is the totality of the TMD. We've got the Air Guard. Uh, yesterday, they brought in four C-130s, uh, brought in the rest of the packs, some of the vehicles, um, the equipment that's needed today and being used. Um, couldn't do it without them. It's it's the the whole TMD. It's the State Guard. It's the Army Guard and the Air Guard coming together and uh, in, in demonstrating that we can be where we need to be anywhere on this border. We can surge in a very short short amount of time. Boy, I wish uh, I wish our administration had his attitude. I really do. Uh, that's uh, General Major General uh, Win Burkett of the Texas National Guard and his uh, views. But anyway, I wanted to play Bill before uh, time ran out. We talked, uh, we played yesterday, uh, Laura Logan. Logan. Yeah, yeah. And, and she has two segments left. And I, I, we promised our audience we would play it because she's just that good. And uh, so 
she's talking with uh, the two hosts of uh, Flyover Conservatives, a podcast, and she, she's talking about Russia and the Ukraine. And when you listen to her, think about how you and I have talked about Russia and Ukraine, and I think you'll find that we're on the same page. To you is somebody wants a nuclear war. Somebody wants a broader war. It does not appear from anything I have ever seen in 35 years of covering conflicts mm -hmm. and strategic events and global crises and foreign nations and so on and so on. It does not appear to be Putin based on his actions. It does appear to be various leaders on both sides of the island, the United States and other parts of the world, who are all pushing the same rhetoric. And at the very same time, this is what they want you to miss. I mean, there's a number of things, but perhaps the most important is that if you care so much about the suffering of innocent people, don't let it happen here. Don't let it escalate. Don't let it go beyond Putin and Russia and Ukraine. Push your leaders to de-escalate, not to escalate. Mm -hmm. And you do that by asking the right questions. Just because Putin says there are Nazis in the Ukrainian military doesn't mean he's saying hundreds of thousands of Jewish people weren't massacred by the Nazis in Ukraine. What he's saying is look at the history. Look at where the SS had their headquarters in Ukraine. Look at the support from Western Ukraine for the Nazis. Look at the Nazi battalion that NATO and the US are funding in the Ukrainian National Guard. Mm -hmm. Take a closer look. Don't be deceived and manipulated and lied to and figure it out. Does that make Putin Mother Teresa? No. Am I suggesting for one second that uh, war is the solution to everything and I'm you know, behind Putin? No. I'm trying to understand what Putin is really and truly doing. And what I do not see is I do not see Putin going to a nuclear war. I do not see Putin being the, uh, the one trying to take the world um, and burn it to the ground. I do not see Putin talking about the new world order rising. Mm -hmm. I see Putin saying uh, NATO made certain agreements and you've broken them. You're expanding right to our border. You're ignoring everything we say. Tony, wait, what is it that, that idiot, Eric Swalwell, mm, one of yes. the most pathetic, useless people in Congress, right? An obvious puppet um, who's banging a Chinese spy, yep. mm -hmm. Fang Fang, mm -hmm. and is somehow still on the Intel Committee. What did Swalwell say to Tucker Carlson? Tucker had this clip, yep. and he showed it. When they were talking about Ukraine last time, Tucker actually showed the clip where Swalwell says... We have to do exactly what NATO has done. Let me ask you a question, Laura. You actually touched on this, but I, I want to kind of push into it a little bit further. Do you think the agenda right now is try to create a one world government? Do you think that they are, that's what they're trying to do? Well, I don't need to think, right? It's not about my opinion. It's not about my conclusions. What's my analysis? No, I mean, I, I only go to analysis when I have no other options because analysis is the highest chance of being wrong, mm. right? Yep. I can just get it wrong. So I don't want to do that. I'm a journalist. Why? Why would I want to do that? That only hurts me. It hurts my credibility and besides which I don't like being wrong. Mm -hmm. Right? Right. So, uh, but more importantly, 
these conversations are too significant for us to get it wrong. And also, what is more, what is worse and more frustrating than seeing all these pundits all over TV all the time? The Logan Act, Michael Flynn is going to jail. I mean, please, give me a break. 99% of that is political propaganda and disinformation. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, I, that's not a formal statistic. It's just my gut. But so so what I want is, is uh, to understand the facts, right? And in a second, she's going to tell you, why she thinks uh, that she thinks it's going to be a one-world government, or they want a one-world government, uh, in her second part to the answer. But she's she's a fascinating lady. She's a little more relaxed now on the podcast than she was on the uh, broadcast uh, networks. You know, <laughs> I yeah. Think. <laughs> well, because she has nobody there uh, ready with a cane to pull her off the stage of uh, mm. you know the broadcast. In podcast, you can do whatever you want. Uh, and you can you can give your unbiased opinion. That's the beauty of a podcast. Uh, the downfall is is that um, when you do that, there are people that will sit there and you know poo poo you or try to try to <laughs> well, attack you to where you don't make money. But if you're doing it for the right reason, uh, you'll probably make money. And if you don't, you're still doing it for the right reasons. I think she is like like us. She thinks that. Uh, there is a faction, there's a group of people out there who don't want borders. They don't want uh, restrictions on migration. They don't want, uh, they want a one world government. And they don't want a population as big as we have right now, which uh, makes you wonder about things like uh, polar vortexes falling out of nowhere and people all of a sudden dying from freezing to death. Uh, yeah, are we manipulating the weather and manipulating everything we can, the virus and whatnot, and there's stuff on that. But my only thought on the one world order, because I do believe that's what they want, and mm-hmm. taking down the border, though, yeah, you would have no borders under one world order except a border for where they take everybody that doesn't agree with them and put them there, and then they put up a big wall and probably find every any way they could to get rid of us. But... I think the other reason they're doing it is they are they are taking the United States and diluting it as to what it is. We've gotten more multicultural, uh, more diverse, and they want to destroy us as a nation. We talked about our history uh, yesterday. We talked about them removing mm-hmm. statues and stuff like that of our uh, people of history in our country. And if you remove our history then you're taking away one of the supports of our nation, meaning we can't, we have nothing to look back at, you know? Yeah, yeah. it's like, let's say you wander off into the woods, or if you're there with somebody that's taking you out on a hike, what is the first thing you do? You mark your way so that you can find your way back when you need to or if you need to. Our history and statues and whatnot are our markers of yes. who we are, where we started from, and how we got here. Mm-hmm. And we it, it's very important to keep it as it is. Even if you don't like that time in history, it, it's there as a shining example. Hey, we stepped on a field mine there. Yeah. Let's not take it away. Let's leave it there so that everybody never makes that mistake again. But there are mistakes that they leave or so said mistakes that they want to show out there because they want to rewrite history 
and rewrite the narrative. And that's what you've got. You've got fictional writing going on, which is why Schiff fits so well in this left woke uh, Congress. He's a because screenwriter. <laughs> he's a, well, he's a bad Aspiring, one, but then again, yes. uh, they're writing bad scripts. So he fits right in. So you, you have uh, the history being removed from our country, people no longer being able to point to people like even Robert E. Lee. You know, to a lot of people in the South, Robert E. Lee was still a hero. They, they, mm-hmm. didn't, they didn't think of him as being a traitor. They thought of him as being someone who was fighting for a cause that they, their ancestors believed in. Even though many of our American heroes in World War One and Two were from the South. You know, right. they they re, when, one of the nice things about the American Civil War, if you can say there's anything nice about a civil war, was when it was over, people actually reunited. I mean, yeah, there were carpetbaggers and people who took advantage of the of the post-war situation, but for the most part, people in the South and, and the people in the North joined hands again and became one country. Right. I have friends who are born and raised in the South, and. To this day, they have a great deal of love and respect for some of the generals from the Confederacy. They didn't, mm. they didn't know them, you know, but they grew up in that area. They heard the stories. There was the history. And that's what they were moving. You know, we talk about history. They're taking history out of the high schools. Kids aren't oh, being, yeah. they're not being taught the Revolutionary War. They're not being taught the Civil War. I, I think history in a lot of uh, schools now starts to like, Maybe in World War One, maybe, uh, but they don't go back to the foundation. I don't even know whether they're teaching them the Constitution. You know, I would venture to say, look, I don't think anybody can uh, name you know the colonies, the original colonies, anything, let alone know the Constitution, the Pledge of Allegiance, be able to sing the Star Spangled Banner. Mm-hmm. I don't think that the today's youth. They don't know it, and they've been told, oh, you don't need that. You know, that's useless information. Yeah. Laura Logan you know, has. It's funny. We're, we're the only country that doesn't uh, do our Pledge of Allegiance and uh, know all of that. Every other nation in the world makes their children know. Yeah, well, we had the Pledge of Allegiance when I was a kid. We started every every day, was started in homeroom with the Pledge of Allegiance, mm-hmm. and it was an important thing. Sometimes in some schools it was the principal who was saying it on the loudspeaker system, and you looked at the flag and put your hand on your chest, and you said it along with the, the principal. But exactly. uh, I guess they don't do that anymore. Laura Logan had more to say uh, in her interview from Flyover Conservative. I just watched a clip which is very, very disturbing to me because it was Walter Cronkite. And I was at CBS for, you know, more than 16 years Mm -hmm. and at 60 Minutes. And um, I freelanced at CBS and NBC and ABC before that. And I worked in British television and I was in newspapers. But, you know, the core defining thing when you're at 60 Minutes and it's the best news program in the world, that's, you know, that is a, a, a powerful and meaningful thing. And then what you see is Walter Cronkite. Walter Cronkite talking about Americans having to give up some of their sovereignty and about having to give um, over that sovereignty to federal institutions on a global scale. That's a quote. Mm-hmm. Federal institutions on a global scale of global nations and give up. Americans aren't going to like this, he says, but we're going to have to give up some of our sovereignty. What does that mean? Yeah, why? It's the same thing Obama said. It's the same thing Tony Blinken said. 
this idea of a League of Nations or call it whatever you want, put whatever language you like on it. You can search it, you can find it said a thousand different ways. But what they're saying is sovereignty is bad. We don't believe in sovereignty. Oh, open border society. They don't believe in sovereignty either. And what is a human right to migrate recognized by the United Nations in 2018 in the Global Compact on Migration? It's recognizing the human rights of all people everywhere on the globe to migrate wherever they want to, whenever they like. Well, that is a global implementation of a no borders policy, which in its origin and genesis believes in giving up sovereignty in order to have a group of nations, United Nations, Mm -hmm. rule in federal structures, which overpower the rights of individual states. So, I mean, I don't have to think. It's right there in front of your eyes. Mm. They say it all the time. There's a global corporate minimum tax discussed at a global level by all these world leaders. There's a universal basic income for data, which is what? We practiced that during COVID, right? When we pay people to stay at home and do nothing and do lots of drugs because we flooded, you know, the nation with drugs by opening up the border to the cartels. And by the way, when the police are under siege and fighting for survival, what are they not doing? They're not doing as much counter drug stuff, are they? And when your federal agencies don't have any backing from their own government to do the jobs that they were set up to do, so now immigration cannot enforce immigration law and, you know, I mean, God help you as a police officer, right? If you implement half the laws on the books Mm -hmm. and so on and so on. What you see is the pieces of a plan. And then when we say, oh, wait, these things fit together, we're branded as conspiracy theorists and lunatics and nutters and, you know, whatever, whatever. And then, oh, my goodness, um, I don't want anyone to say that about me. So um, I'm going to put my head down and pray that we go back to the way things were and nobody figures out that I don't really buy into all of this. And if I just am a good little girl, then when I'll get my job back in 60 minutes, the New York Times and Washington Post will write glowing profiles about how great I am again. I mean, I've got, I don't know, 10, 12, 14 Emmys. I'll get another Emmy. And everything will be okay again? Come on. Amazing. She has put everything on the line, so to speak. I mean, this is a lady who had the world by the tail when it came to a job. Uh, She was the one of the anchors on 60 Minutes. And then when she left 60 Minutes, she went over to Fox. And Mm -hmm. Fox gave her uh, Laura Logan Has No Agenda. That was her program that was on Fox Nation. And she was always on the major network, Fox News, as a guest uh, contributor, and she was making a great salary. But then they wanted her to toe the line about the Ukraine. It was the Ukraine that was the issue. They wanted her to say what they wanted to sell, and she couldn't do that. And why do all these networks all of a sudden want to sell the same story about the Ukraine? Who came in the back door and made a deal? At all the networks, even Fox, you know, oh, they're the bastion of uh, conservative, uh, you know, the conservative movement. No, they're not. Obviously, they've they've gone rogue. Well, it'll be interesting to see um, where she lands, if she lands somewhere else. She did mention that she was going to uh, 
she was working on her program. I got a feeling she's going to end up doing a podcast. There's, oh, there's most a, likely. There's money to be made with podcasts. I mean, just look at Joe Rogan. I think he's making millions. I, I wonder, was it $100 million for doing uh, his contract with Spotify? Yeah, it doesn't matter what he does. Well, I guess it does in the long run, but it doesn't matter. They just wanted him. And you know what? He didn't start out political. And, you know, he was just, hey, you know, a couple of buddies sitting there going, hey, man, you know, and they were just talking about stuff, smoking a dope, you know, smoking dope. And then they Did they really? I I never watched his show. Did he? Was he smoking uh, dope on on camera? Oh, yeah. You could probably Google it and see him and Elon Musk, you know, hitting hitting a doobie and talking (laughs) and laughing about things. That was how the show started. And then, well, you know, Bernie Sanders was was on there because he's he's kind of, you know, that way, and he liked Bernie. But things have changed a lot. And I think when, you know, somebody tried to pretty much cancel him and, you know, just flip everything around, I think he got a dose of pure liberalism. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not saying he's conservative, but... It changes know, people, Bill. It does change people. Yeah, we we talked yeah. about that one fellow I was talking about that's uh, getting released from prison that uh, started out doing what he did, you know, the cage boxer, and then boom, you know, well, I want to do journalism, yeah, and then they he got attacked, and then you know you get you get into the when you jump into the water, your body doesn't always adjust. I think that she will find her a place uh, in the podcast world, and she'll do okay. Oh, I think she will too. I. I have no doubts about that. She's a, she's a smart lady. She uh, has a great opinion. And, you know, and boy, can she talk. <laughs> boy, she can she talk. She wasn't reading a script. She was talking from real knowledge, real field experience. Because, yeah. uh, what, 18, 20 years of just being out there and 35 years. that life. 35 years as a journalist, 16 years on 60 Minutes, which means that she probably started about 2004 and worked right. till 2020. No, she's got a ton of experience, great background, a wonderful resume, and uh, she has a following. And she, like I said, she can talk. She could do the whole hour by herself. Oh, she could. She's got enough there to go on and, and, and talk about, and she doesn't have to you know, show prep or, or do anything she is. She so, Bill, is, what do you predict in... Uh, what do you predict in 2023? Any predictions? Uh, I got to think about that. I mean, kind of <laughs> threw it out there. I mean, you know that I think that they're going to indict Trump. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to try to lock him up. They want to do that. I wouldn't be surprised if they try to make him Epstein himself. But, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that aside from that, I think that uh, there's going to be a lot of turmoil inside the White House. I think the Democrats are going to sit there from the sidelines, try anything they can to disrupt or dismantle the mm. Republican Congress that's in there. So they're going to they're gonna do that thing. Um, I think Biden is going to feel that he's got the power to just sit there with a pen and just blanket do whatever he wants to, even though he doesn't have the Congress. Do you see Title 42 being uh, taken down? Uh I think there's a move because he made the comment the other day, it's well past its time and all, however he said it. So I would think that, yeah, he's going to sit there and he thinks again, he thinks he's got a magic special pen Mm -hmm. that allows him to do anything. And he would do that. Uh, It, 
what what he's trying to do, it it defies logic. What what, what he's trying to do, I, I kind of believe. You know, I'm I'm of that mind that believes. At some point in time, the dam's going to break. Yours is a darker scenario. You talk about uh, Trump uh, and, and negative things happening. I, I think I'm a little more optimistic. I think 2023 is going to be a year of of a massive change. I think you're going to see. I think you'll see an end to the war in the Ukraine. I I think it. I'm not sure exactly how. It might be because the Russians put a lot of pressure on the Ukraine. Uh, I also think that uh, you're going to see changes in the administration in, in Washington, D.C. Well, there are things at play that could change everything fast and immediately. Yeah. Or they can seal the door. What I'm basing everything on is what I see today. What's going on today gives us a dark future. And what's going on today shows us that they don't care that they're exposed and that we can see exactly what they're doing. They think that they are so safe. What do they that say? They can get away with it. They say it's always darkest before the dawn. So, with that little bit of knowledge that mm. I yes, that was heavy. Uh, yeah. I'm going to bid you a very happy new year. Uh, drive safe, be safe, and uh, and come back, and we'll do it again on Monday. Get back into a, a regular schedule of uh, our full hour long programs, and. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to uh, go wait for the ball to drop now, even though I've got a couple of days yet. But uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm kind of anxious. Uh, there's a it. joke there, but I'm going to let it alone. <laughs> I'm leaving it alone. I don't, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Happy yeah. New Year, pal. Hey, you too. The Voice of Freedom, CRN America. <laughs>